Hi, I'm Brian Vines, and this is 112BK. Coming up, why does a group of Orthodox rabbis wave Palestinian flags and call for an end to the Jewish state? New York-based documentarian Heather Tinzer wants to find out. Israel has taken Judaism and converted it, transformed it into a nation state with an army and a government. And for them, that's like a form of heresy. And then African traditionalism. What is it and why has it found fertile ground here in Brooklyn? It's important to, to remember that we hail from a culture and a community that valued our expressions, our expressions of culture, our expressions of self, our knowledge of self, our religious practices, our spiritual practices, our language, and our foods. Hi, welcome to the show. We've got a couple of interviews today at the intersection of politics and culture, with some takes that just may surprise you. First up, when considering the Israel-Palestine problem and a path forward, people usually talk about a two-state solution, having Palestinian statehood alongside of Israel. Some hardliners don't want Palestinian statehood at all, but an unlikely group of Orthodox rabbis has another idea altogether. No Jewish statehood. These rabbis are the subject of a documentary work in progress called the Rabbis Intifada. And we're happy it brings filmmaker Heather Tinzer to the show today. Welcome to 112BK, Heather. Thanks for having me. So I got to see a preview of the work and see what you're putting together. But right from the beginning, I was struck by the title. So the Intifada refers to the uprising of the Palestinians, and you sort of flipped that around to be about one man's mission. How'd you come up with that title? Well, intifada uh, literally in Arabic means uprising. And so the idea was that there is a Palestinian uprising against Israel, but there's also these rabbis who are rising up against the idea of Zionism. And so it was just sort of a play on the two cultural worlds of Palestinians and Orthodox Jews. So how did you get drawn into this world of these rabbis who are against the Jewish statehood where it is currently? Um, well, I grew up in an Orthodox Jewish community myself, which was um, very supportive of Israel, whereas the rabbis in, in depicted in the film are, um, you know, against the idea of a Jewish state. Right. So I first met them when I was a young person marching in the Israel Day Parade in New York City. Um, every year there's an annual Israel Parade in New York City. And so they were on the sidelines protesting the parade in which we were marching. And yeah. so I found that curious, fascinating and a little alarming at the time. Yeah. What um, was the reception that you got and gave to those folks who are off to the side and they get heckled and people alternately pay no attention to them and your religious leaders told you, oh, these guys are Meshuganahs, don't listen to them. Right. Yeah, the rabbis um, who led us in our school were saying don't pay any attention to them. And I mean, I think that's a very common point of view from an, a modern Orthodox Jewish perspective is right. that they're crazy. But I think that there are people who are curious about them and want to know more. And at the time, I was just like kind of quiet about it and didn't learn much more about it for another 20 years or so. Yeah. Um, and then I started to get more curious about who they were and what was inspiring them, what was motivating them. Mm -hmm. Was it religiously motivated, yeah. what, what their ideas were? So this isn't a new conflict, particularly in, I guess, this world that we're looking at now, and there's so much attention for headlines. But 
do you feel like you've sort of brought kitchen table talk from the Jewish community now to a wider audience where people don't see Jewish people as a monolith and say there are voices of dissent in this community? And what do you think that means for the community to sort of let folks peer behind the curtain of things that might be happening at your Thanksgiving table? (laughs) Well, there is a lot of strife within the Jewish community over Israel and what that means. And I don't think that that's clear to a lot of outsiders that people don't realize that there's multiple perspectives within the Jewish community on Israel and Palestine. And my hope is that this film will illuminate some of those differences of opinion and raise some questions and challenge people's ideas that every Jew believes that there should be a Jewish state or that every Jew supports Israel. The Naturi Karta are just one community of Jews Mm -hmm. who are standing up and criticizing Israel and speaking out against it. There's also plenty of um, secular Jews who are also critical of Israel. So I think that there's people across the spectrum religiously and who are taking a stand against, as Jews, against what Israel is doing in the name of Judaism. And that's really important. I mean, because Naturi Karta say, you know, Israel is taking our Jewish name right. and abusing it and, and carrying out a lot of different crimes in our name as Jews. So that's part of what they're what they're mm-hmm. trying to raise awareness about. And of course, they're also very upset about what they see happening in Palestine to Palestinians. Yeah. And frankly, they, they've taken some extreme positions and really been on the fringe of a lot of this. So do you think that they're drawing more people to their side or is it still easier for the larger body to sort of dismiss them because some of these uh, some of the people that your profile have really gone to extremes? Um, I think they're dismissed for a lot of reasons. And I think part of that is sort of like, and it may be even an internal anti-Semitism, which is mm-hmm. like Jews who believe that other Jews who are too religious are not reliable sources or not in it for the right reasons. Yeah. Or, I mean, there's a lot of ways that they are diminished. They are also socially conservative yeah. um, as a lot of religious people are. And so for so many reasons, they're marginalized and dismissed. So my hope is that this film will at least like bring another perspective to the table. And a lot of what they have to say is actually quite reasonable. Yeah. And that's that's not really, that part so, of it's not really heard. <laughs> what is it that they have to say? What they're saying is that we don't believe in a Jewish state. Mm-hmm. We believe that the idea of Jewish statehood is against the Jewish religion, um, that Judaism is a religion mm-hmm. and Israel has taken Judaism and converted it, transformed it into a nation state with an army and a government. And for them, that's like a form of heresy because it's taking the idea of Judaism as a faith in God, a faith in the Torah, and transforming it into faith in the military might of Israel, mm-hmm. into governance and all these different things. So. Their position is like very much rooted in religious theology, gotcha. but it also has a very practical yeah. and... Um, They're making arguments. Yeah. So I have to ask this, like yeah. walking in, if I was going to Israel presenting as I do, for those of you who are listening, I'm a black man, very clearly, 
But for you to be there as a woman who uh, is, is a Jewish woman, are you constantly being like pulled to one side or the other with people trying to convince you like, oh, you're following these guys, but this is really what's happening. You're making a movie about them. You should be listening to this. Is there a sort of push and pull for your attention and your perspective as the filmmaker? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there are a lot of, is, when, I'm in, when I'm in Israel, there's a lot of Israelis who will, if I talk to them about what I'm, what the project that I'm working on yeah. will be very critical of me and try and the project and <laughs> immediately like the words Naturi Karta, who are the characters in my film, like strike like feelings of hostility in a yeah. lot of people um, in Israel and here in the U.S. as well, actually. But I think that a lot of it is due to just a lot of like misunderstandings mm. about where Naturi Karta are coming from and a lack of willingness to find out what they're about. But Hopefully that will change. So hearing that, and I imagine your deflection game is very tight right now. If you run up to that sort of resistance, just mentioning their names, have there been any challenges in the actual filmmaking process as you work here and there? Nothing out of the ordinary. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's been a rather difficult film to fund, um, yeah. but um, because it is so focused on a conflict that makes people so livid one way or the other yeah. or just like it's very emotional for a lot of people so that that's been challenging but other than that it's it's been um, a journey it's been a fun journey so let's speak to that then because I know that you're on a campaign and a tour we mentioned right at the top that this is a work in progress what kind of support are you looking for and who's been showing up who's your squad that wants to bring this into the world um, so right now we're launched a crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo, um, and it's live through December 6th or 7th, I forget. So we are um, looking for financial funding and support and in whatever ways we can get it. And the idea is to finish the film in a timely manner and get it out so that audiences can see it and share in the knowledge and so let's fast forward you've already completed a record-breaking successful indiegogo <laughs> the film is made you've put it to bed what's the impact that you want to have when people walk away as the credits roll i would like for the film to open people's minds and challenge the stereotypes that they have not just about Naturi Karta, but about religious Jews, about religious people in general, about what it means to be an activist in today's world. Um, so much of what we think of as traditional activism is mm -hmm. about perhaps people on the left who are activists and out in the streets. And I think it's interesting to think about, okay, maybe activism means other things as well, and that there are ways in which activist communities with different ideas can come together, possibly. But I think I think that the film will hopefully challenge stereotypes about um, Muslim people, about Palestinians, about Jews, and just people's ideas about why there is violence between Israel and Palestine. Um, because the, some of the people that I interview in the film really like um, are elder are elders themselves, and so can share. Um, historical perspective that I think that a lot of American Jews are not exposed to and other Americans are also not exposed to because we live in this country with a very pro-Israel message. Well, Heather Tinzer, the film is The Rabbi's Intifada. Thanks for coming by. Thank you. Thank you. 
He's a Brooklyn-born, Grammy Award-winning percussionist who's played with the likes of Randy Weston, George Clinton, and Erica Badu, to name just a few. He grew up in Bed-Stuy, attended the rarefied Dalton School, and then Wesleyan University. Add to his profile that he's also an African traditionalist and was recently installed as a Nigerian chief. So what exactly is African traditionalism and how does one become a Nigerian chief? To answer these questions and to talk about an event of workshops, lectures, and performances on culture, tradition, and identity, which he is organized in December, we're joined by Chief Ayanda Clark. Welcome back to the show, sir. Thank you so much for having me. It's, yeah. well, it's wonderful to be back with you. Well, happy to have you back at the table. So I guess I promised at the beginning we would get into what that notion of traditionalism is. So give us your working definition of what it means to be an African traditionalist. To be an, a, tra a traditionalist is to be connected to the legacy and the history of the culture of a people. Now, if we think of tradition as the mechanism by which culture is promoted mm -hmm. and maintained from generation to generation, then to be a traditionalist is to be connected to those cultural practices that are passed down from generation to generation. So um, I, I'm born here in Brooklyn, right. um, but my family has always been connected to uh, African uh, traditional uh, practice, whether it's spiritual, whether from culture, whether it's from music, we always have been ones who connected to the legacy of those that have come before us. So I was I was fortunate enough to, and, and honored to be uh, installed as a chief in the sacred city of Oshogbo, Nigeria, uh, by my mentor Baba Fakao Defanii, because of my commitment to tradition and my commitment to promoting positive images of Africa and African traditions. So as we sit here in Brooklyn right now, with everything that's swirling around, I'm thinking of you with one hand being a traditionalist and another pulling us forward into some better level of understanding. So how do you balance those things in just educating people about what it means to be connected to a land that we were violently taking away and can feel so disjointed from? I'm, I'm so glad you connected that because that's that's really what we're we're about doing at the Fedara Group is we're about promoting positive images of Africa and and letting us remember that Africa is not stagnant. Mm -hmm. Africa is is active. African is vibrant, um, and the cultural heritage that we inherited is ever changing and ever developing. So yes, born here in Brooklyn, I'm I'm a hip hop head. You know, I I I, I grew up right here in Bed Stuy. Yeah. Um, but but. The, my understanding of myself as a human being exists beyond when we were thought of as less than human beings. Connecting to that sense of self, that sense of identity, I think is important for for all of us that are living in this time. In this time, we were being we're being slaughtered and we're being re represented as threats mm -hmm. to humanity and to society. It's important for us to remember that we are uh, derived from a, a culture and a community that values our humanity and our and, and the legacy of those that have come before us. And that is central to the work you do at the Fadara Group. Tell us about that. Well, the Fadara Group is a, is a, my organization that we founded that intertwines music, culture, and spirituality. Um, I'm a musician. I'm a second-generation musician. Mm -hmm. My father, um, Chief Baba Neil Clark, um, he's been here with you yeah, before. He, um, he handed to me, uh, along with my mother, Shout out to Patricia Clark, yeah, Patricia Clark, um, handed to me a legacy um, mm -hmm. that intertwined music 
and culture, right? So I'm a musician, I play music that comes from all over the world, but the cult, the center of my music is based in, in, in Africa sense of African sensibility. So for Dara Group, we intertwine that spirit of culture, mm -hmm. that spirit of music, and the understanding and worldview that we are spiritual beings living here uh, uh, on the planet. So looking at all of those references and what you pull in, how does that culture and perpetuating that culture relate to these concepts of black power and even uh, back to Africa movement for a lot of people who said, okay, I'm, I want to reconnect and have actually taken the action of reestablishing themselves on the continent? Well, we're, we're promoting a true to our native land. Mm. And true to our native land is, is a performance showcase. It's a, co a community conversation that um, connects us to an understanding that we come from a land before America. So a true to our native land is the is the last line of the black national anthem, lift every voice and sing, true to our God, true to our native land. Um, our native land, while we celebrate our experience here in America, we have to remember that uh, we came here not necessarily by choice, yeah. right? So it's important to, to remember that we hail from um, a, a culture and a community that valued uh, our expressions, our mm -hmm. expressions of culture, our expressions of of, of 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 self, our knowledge of self, our religious practices, our spiritual practices, our language, and our foods, and those things are all things to be celebrated and to be uh, respected. So, true to our native land is is designed to remind us that my Africa is so lit, right? So yeah. our, our hashtag, my Africa is so lit, is designed to re help us to remember that it's not ancient, it's not stale, right. it is old. Right, and it's it is speaking to a time before uh, before the present, right. but it's it's not stagnant. So, let's build on this theme of true to our native land. I have a sort of two-headed monster of a question for you. <laughs> At Thanksgiving tables around the country, this conversation has been had to say, true to our native land, this is my native land. My mama was born here, my grandmama was born here, my grandfather was born here, this is my native land. I don't know nothing about no Africa. You wanna go back to Africa and do all these things. So that conversation was had. I wonder how you help someone come with a comeback for that. If they walked away from the table last Thursday evening and they wanna text their cousin right now right. and say, this is how. Well, this is how um, Africa is in us. Mm -hmm. Africa is part of is part of our language. It's part of our speech. It's part of our cultural traditions. It's part of our music. It's part of our expression. The expressions of being black, um, the expressions of being um, brown or, or black in the diaspora is definitely a part of our cultural heritage that we inherited. So whether we have ever set foot in Africa or not, it's mm -hmm. part of our cultural DNA. It's in the way we speak. It's in the cadence of our language. It's in our art form. It's in our cultural displays. And at True to Our Native Land, our conversation is about the traditions that uh, of, of Africa that are in hip-hop, that are in the, the oratory stylings of MCs, that's in the rhythmic stylings and the percussion stylings of popular music across uh, across, the court, uh, across the country. It's part of the dance. It's part of our, our popular dances. So Africa is intrinsically a part of who we are, and this is just a reminder of how it's a part of who we are. So, so it's kind of like hitting in plain sight. And yeah. if, if we're not aware of what it looks like, then we, we won't recognize it when we see it. 
So how does that manifest itself in the sort of rarefied air of a Dalton or then when you're a Westland? I know you were recently at Yale doing a ceremony about a man who was a central part of that community who might have been forgotten in history, but you guys were giving him his proper respect there. So moving in spaces that are not traditionally African or African-American and predominantly white and master class kind of thing, how do you show up and continue to be authentic and wear those things that are innate there. It's not that difficult because we've always been present, mm-hmm. right? That's what we're remembering. And institutions across the country, cultural, cultural institutions, educational institutions across the country are remembering the influence and the participation of Africans and African-Americans. So I was fortunate enough uh, to travel to Wesleyan and to Princeton, and we're traveling around the country, sometimes doing spiritual uh, component, right. but oftentimes just promoting the culture mm-hmm. that is af- of Africa. So it's impossible to think of a time where African-Americans were not part of the fabric of our society and of our community. So it's, it's not difficult at all. At Dalton, we, we were all, I went to Dalton as a, as a high schooler. Right. So we were all um, going through our, our coming of age, right? We were, we, were, <laughs> we were all trying to figure out who we were and right. how that connected. So while my friends were going through their bar mitzvahs and their bat mitzvahs, I was going through my rites of passage. And mm-hmm. while they might not understand what it was from an African experience, they did understand what it is from a cultural expression, a gotcha. cultural experience. So those conversations are the ones that we're having, whether we're at Dalton or we're at Wesleyan or we're at Princeton or whether we're out at Howard University or whether we're at Morehouse, the conversation is still the same. So before we get out of here, they're wrapping me up with a minute. What am I meant to be doing December 14th and 15th? You are meant to be at Chudua Native Land, the premiere of this this movement. Chudua Native Land is a movement. It's a movement that is going to be traveling nationwide. It's the premiere is at here in Bed-Stuy. Um, it's at the Brooklyn Bank, December 14th and 15th. You can follow us and get all the information at thefadaragroup.com. Who's in the lineup? So we have Tony Blackman, an amazing hip-hop uh, artist and a, a cultural pioneer. We have Adesla Osakalumi, who's from Fela fame, uh, amazing choreographer. We have Nsangu Jikam, who's a playwright um, of, of Sinking Ink fame. We have uh, scholars that are coming from the continent of Africa that are orators, that are linguists. We have, of course, shout out to my father, Chief Baba Neil Clark. Yeah. He'll be joining us. So it'll be, it'll be an experience that will bring together multi-generations. It'll bring together all those that are, that are committed to and connected to promoting positive images of Africa and Africans. Chief Ayanda Clark, thanks so much for coming by. We thanks. love when you bring your energy here. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Give your dad our love, too. We'll definitely do so. Alright. Mars, the red planet, our second closest neighbor, smaller and colder than the Earth, and today's issue on the table. It has polar ice caps and lots of rusty red dust covering its surface. It also has the solar system's largest volcano and deepest valley. It's dry now, but once upon a time was much warmer and wetter with a thicker atmosphere. From the Roman god of war to Martians to total recall to Mars attacks, there's perhaps no other object in the sky that's captured our imagination like the fourth planet from the sun. And now that we've gone there, landed there, roved there, it's become far more than a simple background for an alien invasion story. It's become a world, 
a place, and maybe one day a destination. The idea of a clement environment on Mars was common, at least until the 1960s and 70s, when we started sending robots and probes. What they saw was not a lovely, habitable world. Instead, we got photos of a dry, dead, forbidding planet. Also, we learned that the surface geography of Mars is weird, covered in slopes, craters, and the aforementioned giant volcano. The only one on the planet, by the way. In our minds, Mars isn't the same planet it used to be. But that doesn't mean it's off limits. Getting to Mars is hard. Over half the missions sent there have failed, but not impossible. Remember the adorable rover Curiosity? Out there all alone singing happy birthday to itself? And now we have InSight, the latest endeavor to the red planet. Just in at the time of taping, it landed after a daring mission. InSight is a mole, not a real mole, but does what moles do, dig. It's essentially a tethered jackhammer with one goal in mind, bringing a New York-style racket to the planet. No, it's really there to find out its core temperature. This will help us understand what the core is made of, give us geological information far beyond what we know now, and get us one step closer to knowing if there's water beneath its rusty surface. And we all know that with water comes life. That's the show for today. Tomorrow, Jared Murphy will be in to chat with Reverend David Browley, a frequent critic of the mayors when it comes to affordable housing. We hope you can check it out. Bye now. One One Two BK is written and produced by Ross Tuttle, also produced by Fred Brown, Shireen Bargi, Isabel Alcantara, Ariana Rosas, Naeem Van, and Emily Bogosian. It's recorded by Eric Hagasag, Clinton Filson Jr., and Antonio M. Rosario. And it's edited by Mira Al-Rahim. It's executive produced by Jonathan Leaf, Aziz Aisham, and Sasha Mathias. <laughs>